is out. Natural learning is in. Hey there, I am Kelly Edwards, your host of this podcast and creator of the 90-Minute School Day. This is not your typical homeschooling podcast. Here, you will find out-of-the-box stories from the trenches, trainings, tools, and tips to guide you forward. Yes, I like alliteration. We will also share results and mindset shifts to support you in your journey of living and learning alongside your out-of-the-box neurodiverse kids. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to another insightful episode of the 90-Minute School Day podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Edwards, and today we are going behind the scenes of neurobiology and attachment so we can better understand how reading aloud offers a bridge of relational synchronicity. That bridge is between cognitive and emotional empathy. Sound complicated? We're going to unpack it. So come along and explore with me how reading aloud is a catalyst for growing trust, repairing relationships, and inspiring us forward in the good days, the bad, and the ugliest of homeschooling. This is the final episode in our Read Aloud series. So if you missed the others, be sure to go back and listen to episode seven, if you do nothing else, Read Aloud, and episode eight, Read Aloud with Neurodivergence. It was in that last episode, episode eight, where we discussed common struggles experienced in reading aloud with neurodiverse kids, such as autistic children, nonverbal kids, ADHDers, dyslexics, and or kiddos with hearing impairments. I shared strength-based approaches in reading aloud that were specific to the neurotype of that child. It's a great listen, and I do hope you check it out. Near the end of episode eight, I spoke briefly about how reading aloud gives you, the parent, language and communication that you may not be able to access on a particular hard day or in a particular difficult season. This is the concept I want to expand today. We're going to look at the neuroscience behind attachment, how our brain and body connect with others, specifically our children, through subconscious physiological synchronization. (laughs) Whoa, that's a mouthful, right? In other words, the relational part of our brain and our body sync up with others automatically when hearing the same story. Isn't that cool? So reading aloud is one of the ways we can access this phenomena, this physiological synchronization, and that acts as a bridge to build or repair relationship. Do you like learning with me on the podcast? Consider joining the waitlist for guide training. This cohort coaching series meets twice a year in the fall and spring. We gather here together, learning in community to be a guide, not a teacher. Guides don't do it for you. They help you do it for yourself. Guides go with you. Guides lead when it gets tricky and confidence is lost. They hold your hand when you need it. 
They walk beside you in relationship. Guides follow and cheer you on as you lead the way. Get the guidance you need to guide your homeschool. Learn more about guide training and join the waitlist by clicking the link in the show notes. As you may know, I am a mom of three phenomenal girls, all of whom are neurodivergent and all have experienced trauma. Therefore, I have had many, many days, and I'm sure I will have many more, where I am depleted or burned out, and accessing empathy or deep attunement on those days seems impossible. It is on those days that reading aloud steps in and substitutes what I am lacking. I know it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways. Reading aloud is not only for the hard times, it's a practice for all the times. So let's get started with today's training. As human beings, we are hardwired for several things for survival, acquiring food, safety, shelter, and relationship. Relationship is how we maintain our own regulation and source those other things when we are too young, too old, or unable to source them for ourselves. We all need co-regulation with others to form attachments in which we can communicate, collaborate, cooperate, and survive. Perhaps surprisingly, most of our communication is nonverbal. This nonverbal communication is read by our preconscious brain, which processes about 11 million bits of information a second. Our conscious thinking brain processes about 40 to 50 bits of information a second, just for comparison. These processing speeds are essential to establish safety. You may be asking why this matters. Why our preconscious brain processes information faster than our conscious brain. All of our thoughts and thinking and learning happens in our conscious brain. We're like concentrating on something that we're learning, we're focusing on the task at hand, and we can do all of these things because we are feeling safe. Our preconscious brain is constantly scanning the environment several times a second for threat and danger. This process is called neuroception. And when our neuroception detects a cue of safety, we stay regulated. But when it detects threat, it will change the processing that is going on in our brain and we will descend into our lower unconscious or pre-conscious thinking and continue to descend to keep ourselves safe. Descending into our lower brain states engages our survival mechanisms of fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And what can help us come out of those states are cues of regulation, such as attachment. I'll talk about that a little bit more, and then we'll get into what all of this has to do with reading aloud and relationship. As we know, relationship begins with life. Let's think back to food, shelter, safety, and relationship. When a baby cries over one of those basic needs, it is the response the caregiver gives 
to those needs that builds trust and lets the child know they are safe. And that is where attachment grows. So when they are hungry, when they are tired, if they're uncomfortable, lonely, or not feeling safe, all of those basic needs, the child will cry and become dysregulated. That cry dysregulates the nervous system of the caregiver. And that's a good thing because that motivates the caregiver to meet the needs of the child. And in doing so, both nervous systems co-regulate and become regulated. So when our child is regulated, we are regulated. And when our child becomes dysregulated, we are able to get dysregulated enough, right? So not, not, not anything big, but dysregulated enough to motivate us to co-regulate and bring the child and ourselves back into regulation. This works interpersonally with others as well. We need each other. We all need co-regulation that builds attachment, and we all need the relationship so that we can communicate and collaborate with one another. We can cooperate and survive. Regulation, as we've already said, is something that we develop as we mature. So an adult has the experience and felt safety from past co-regulation to tap into. Okay, we have that internally, we've encoded it. And that is how we can regulate ourselves. And we also have the skills that we can reach out to another person for co-regulation. Think of a spouse, a friend, or a therapist. This is great, Kelly. I love all this information about attachment, but what does that have to do with reading aloud? Well, we're about to get to that. But first, I want to remind us that our brain develops from the bottom up. We are born with a fully online brain stem. And the rest of our brain is made up of a developing limbic system and cortex. Our limbic system is our midbrain and our cortex is our thinking brain. Our brain stem, which is fully online at birth, regulates arousal, pain and pleasure, and it operates automatically. Our limbic system harbors our emotional, our behavioral, motivation, and memory centers. It is also home to the amygdala, which operates as our safety detector. It moves us up or down in our brain states, depending on our neuroception, from reflexive unconscious thinking to conscious thought. That conscious thought is housed in the cortex. As our brains develop and operate from the bottom up, the limbic system moves up the cortex And remember, the brain is split into two regions, the left and the right hemisphere. These work together as dual processors, and they have different functions. According to Dr. Alan Shore in a 2002 article from the Annals of General Psychiatry, we can think of these as the rational brain, which is the left hemisphere, versus the emotional brain, which is the right hemisphere. We can also think of them as the linguistic brain on the left and the social brain on the right, the analytical brain on the left, or the intuitive brain on the right, the explicit self-system on the left, or the implicit self-system on the right. 
And lastly, the way we can think about these two regions is the conscious on the left or the unconscious on the right. I want to be very clear that we use both sides of our brain unless there has been some sort of medical or physical trauma to part of it. And as always, I invite you to deepen your study on your own. All right, so now that we've established this common ground and this understanding, we learned about this from episode eight, let's look into how reading aloud and oral narratives activate both hemispheres in our brain and grows attachment. What does this have to do with reading? It's such a good question. We're almost there, but before we move on to that part, we need to talk a little bit more about the brain. We defined reading in episode seven, remember? And we defined language in episode eight. Both of these are obvious and critical components of reading aloud. However, we haven't discussed the specifics on where language develops in the brain. So let's do that right now. Language can develop in two ways, analytic or gestalt. Yep, you guessed it. Analytic is in the left brain and gestalt in the right brain. Typically, children learn language analytically. They decode singular words first and build their vocabulary from there into phrases and sentences. Also, analytic processors use gestalts. They typically drop these, though, between two and three years of age. Let's talk about gestalt processors. Gestalt processors begin with a child imitating a phrase or sentence they've heard on TV or spoken. It is through this imitation of what they've heard, they break the phrase down as they learn the meaning into individual words. The child then uses those words to create their own phrases and sentences. The right brain is whole to part in its processing. Gestalts originate here. The left brain is part to whole in its processing. So we think about phonics, blending, and syllables. Again, the two sides work in tandem together as parallel processors. Before we transition to how this relates to reading aloud and attachment, let's talk a bit more about what you see in the different hemispheres of the brain. As our brain grows and develops, most of us know that our cortex, or upstairs thinking brain, is under construction until our mid-20s. According to Dr. Dan Siegel, co-author of The Whole Brain Child, in children, especially young children, the right brain and its emotions tend to rule over the logic of the left brain. And we all know this. But for clarity, let's list the lateralized functions recognized in the human brain as it pertains to our topic today. I will have these in the show notes. Okay, our left brain. Our left brain is a linear logic and language. I love all that alliteration. It helps me remember. Our left brain also is 
where words, symbols, and rules are decoded. Again, it's a parts-to-whole region. That's how it processes. And it also processes abstract thinking and patterns. So it looks for order and chaos and then wants to fit it into a linear story. That's what the left hemisphere does. The right hemisphere, or our right brain, is relational, big picture, and emotional. It is here that images and experiences are processed, whole to part in this region of the brain. That's how it processes, whole to part, and the left again is part to whole. The right brain processes concrete thinking. Examples are memories and connection with the body, the sensory system. It's autobiographical. And it is here in the right hemisphere that stories stick because they are embedded in an image. Experiential, remember? Okay, again, our brain operates in whole, in its entirety, and it activates in story. The brain remembers the images, emotions, feelings, and sensations from past experiences in the right branch of our brain and simultaneously processes these with the linear logical narrative on the left branch. So strong attachment and trust in our interpersonal relationships involves both emotional empathy, that's understanding how another person feels, and cognitive empathy, that's understanding how another person thinks. How does this work? As we established earlier, when we are in the presence of another human, we co-regulate. This also works with mammals, if you think of your family pet. So co-regulation occurs because we connect with our right brains first, mammal to mammal, before our verbal, slower processing left brain connects. When we enter the presence of another person or animal, our right brain's pre-speech or nonverbal communication exchanges with theirs. This encounter tells us if we are welcome, excited to see one another, or not. I don't know if anyone else is thinking about if you just came across a bear, <laughs> what your right brain is communicating with their right brain. This is especially clear when we think about the crying baby example from earlier. So let's talk about that, that's more common. When the mother approaches her newborn and makes eye contact and physical contact through holding, nursing, and skin to skin, this is all a result of a nonverbal exchange and the breathing, heart rate, and even pupils synchronize in this process. This is that physiological synchronization that builds emotional bonds and emotional empathy, okay? So it's emotional and, and body, and that is in the right brain. That's where it's processed. We also know now, thanks to recent studies, that our bodies synchronize with cognitive connection as well. A study from 2021 shows that when people listen to story narratives, 
there is a physiological synchronization in their heart rates. These studies showed the synchronicity in heart rates even when listeners were isolated and alone. So that shows that they were connecting with the story cognitively, and they had that cognitive synchronization that you would find in the intellectual side of the brain, the left side. Okay, this is what really gets me excited. And if we think about it, it makes sense. When we read aloud, we and our children are experiencing the same storyline. It's full of drama, maybe sadness, and anticipation. We are physically together, but we are also experiencing the story from our own past experiences. So if we think about it, it's also similar to other things we do besides reading aloud, like maybe attending a concert where we can look around and notice that everyone is in a similar state of emotion and consciousness. This is all set by the music, and it's also, when we read aloud, set by the story and the other humans, the energy that we're all exchanging relationally. So when we read aloud, we are activating the whole brain and we can use the power of story to bridge the gap in our attachment, whether we are lacking in emotional or perhaps we're lacking in cognitive empathy or both. A read aloud, whether a storybook, poem, novel, or biography, or nonfiction, is an outward focus for everyone. It's away from the interpersonal challenges of the day or season. The read aloud is a place we can all journey to for respite together. When we read aloud, our brain subconsciously, right brain, syncs our physiology with others in a safe space. And with this safe activity, stories become an escape. During the process of reading aloud, images arise from our right side of the brain to illustrate the story in our minds. Or if we're reading a picture book, we view the images of the picture book. And our emotions are remembered as we cognitively understand what the character is experiencing. It is then we physiologically synchronize ourselves with the story. Remember those studies that showed that two people who are separate, their heart rates synchronized and became the same pattern by just listening to a narrative. These feelings and images are processed when we hear the words that symbolize them. And this is a whole brain experience, regardless of which way you or your child process language. Mirror neurons help us process what we see and hear in a story because it cross-references with experiences we've had in our own life and our empathy grows. It grows two ways cognitively with the information that is presented and emotionally or sensorially with the imagery. It is through story and reading aloud we have an opportunity 
to pass down wisdom and information through relationship as a collaborative resource. Stories read aloud light up our whole brain in a deeply connected way that independent reading doesn't. Because of the human element of shared experience found embodied in emotional and cognitive empathy. Do you enjoy listening to other homeschoolers share their stories and ask their questions? If you're like me, this is how you find new resources and perhaps experience new revelations. It is my deepest desire to share your story and your arrival to homeschooling, the struggles you've experienced, and also why you're still homeschooling. I'd love to elevate your family's unique learning journey for all of us to hear and learn from. I truly believe we have more in common than we have differences, and sharing our individual struggles and strengths is a way we can grow in empathy and understanding of one another perhaps even inspiring a new avenue of learning to embark on in our own learning lives. So let us hear from you. Click the link in the show notes and leave me a voicemail and be part of a future episode. Stories read aloud light up our whole brain in a deeply connected way that independent reading doesn't because of the human element of shared experience. Another thing I want to bring our attention to as a huge benefit of relational empathy and cognitive empathy as we think of attachment and what reading aloud gives us is that often these stories become part of family lore as we retell our favorite parts or reference back to a discovery made or quote a favorite part of that story. Read aloud stories center around a problem that needs to be solved, after all. That's what makes such a good story to hear and that we engage with and that we remember. And when we read aloud, we take a step forward in healing broken relationship. Our shared experience gets encapsulated as a family culture that is retold and remembered. For today's homeschool story, I'm delighted to share with you a story of just such an instance of family lore. Allow me to introduce you to Karima Akila, fellow homeschool mom and original Philly John, I hope I said that right, Karima, with strong Southern tendencies. Karima Akila has played many roles on the stage of life. Her past titles include Morgan State University, HBCU grad, public school teacher, wife, mother of the half dozen, and widowed single mom. Karima Akila's current leading role is the visionary founder of the Genius School's Five Pillar Genius Communities, a decentralized network of brick and mortar micro self-directed learning communities available internationally. Here's what Karima has to share. So this idea of being free 
And living as if school doesn't exist was awesome to me. It really did fill me with wonder. As a matter of fact, it was our favorite book, uh, The Wheel on the School. I don't know how to say that author's last name, so I'm never going to try to mind dirt the Jones, something like that. Just look at the title, okay, Wheel on the School. And in it, the little children, they live in uh, Sweden, something like that. The little girl, Lena, was curious about why storks don't come to her village. She was curious. She went to visit her auntie or somebody, and they had storks. And she came back home, and she said, well, we don't have any storks. And she was so curious about that that she wrote a little paper, the story says. And she came to school, and she read the little paper. And the teacher, he, he has been my model ever since. He noticed the wonder that that created in the children. That little Lena's wonder ignited wonder and curiosity for her whole class. Now, it was only about seven or eight of them, but still. <laughs> and the teacher said the words that I've been living by ever since. He said, if you will promise to wonder, W-O-N-D-E-R, wonder, be curious, then school is out. And I have been living by those words ever since. Creating an environment built upon wonder has led us to be awesome homeschoolers. Wow. That is such a powerful story we can all connect with. Thank you, Karima. Today's Mindset Moment is an invitation for you to create one of your own. Like Karima's story of the school teacher and the wheel on the schoolhouse, I want you to be on the lookout for a character that is worthy of inspiring you in your parenting and homeschooling journey in your next read aloud. Today's tool is one you can use immediately. Stop and read aloud or tell a story when the next rupture in relationship occurs. Co-regulate and then retreat to the restorative respite of reading aloud. Today's tool. Your tool from today is one that you can use immediately. The next time there is a relational rupture in your home, stop and co-regulate and then read aloud or tell a story. Retreat to that restorative respite of reading aloud. As we close out this read aloud series, I hope that you will look at reading aloud anew. Rather than viewing it as just an educational task, use it as a bonding experience that creates memories and connections with your children that last a lifetime. Reading aloud isn't just about words on a page. It's about the emotions and wonder it incites in both children and adults alike. The shared experience of exploring a story together can create a sense of awe and curiosity that stays with us long after the book is closed. But that's not all. 
Reading aloud also provides us with mentors for ourselves as parents. We often identify with the adults in the book. We can find inspiration there to emulate their positive qualities or learn from their mistakes and try to avoid similar behaviors. Reading gives us a unique opportunity for self-reflection and growth. That's all for this episode of the 90 Minute School Day podcast. We hope you've found our exploration of reading aloud inspiring and practical. As always, we're here to support you on your homeschooling journey. So don't hesitate to reach out with any questions or feedback. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, every moment spent reading aloud with your children is a moment that shapes and strengthens attachments. Until next time, happy reading.